This podcast contains themes that may be distressing to some audiences. Hi guys, I'm Kaylee Frost, the Head of Clinical Support at Health Assured. I'm joined today by Amy, one of our wellbeing counsellors, and we're going to be discussing how to support your loved ones with mental health. Hi Amy, you okay? Hi Kaylee, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Love that we came matchy matchy today, know, a yeah. pair of French minds. <laughs> Twinning today. <laughs> we absolutely are. I love it. Um, how are you feeling? You doing okay? Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, really looking forward to discussing ways in which we can support um, or, or help people advise how to support their loved ones, friends, family. Brill. Tell me a little bit about yourself first, Amy. So people that I've watched our podcast um, and listened to the podcast will know that we're joined by many of our counsellors. So just give me a little bit of a background to you, Amy. You know, what's your clinical experience? Why Why are you here today? Why have you decided that this was the podcast that you wanted to be involved in? So for me, um, I've had quite a lot of life experiences um, which led me to access counselling myself. Yeah. Um, I was kind of brought up in a family where it was a safe environment and I always got my physical needs met, but there was never quite that opportunity to talk about your emotions or to talk about when things weren't feeling that great. So for me, counselling, it absolutely turned my life around. Um, So to come out of a difficult relationship, um, I was in the midst of um, a a difficult time with an eating disorder and I came out of counselling and I just thought, wow, um, it really turned my life around and I truly believe that it did save my life at that point. Right. Yeah. And I saw a level two advertised in the local paper for my local college. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, I'll give that a go. And I started that and I never looked back. And at that point, I'd done quite a few different things in my career. I'd worked with children, um, I'd worked with elderly people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I started my counselling training and I just felt like this role, this job, really gave me a sense of what I wanted to achieve in life, which was to support people and give back what I'd received from my therapist. How long long have you been a counsellor for now, Amy? Okay, so I've been um, in client contact for seven years. um, And in that time, I've had a wide variety of roles. Um, So I started off in um, addiction recovery. So one side was clinical and then our side was recovery. So we would support people putting goals in place, um, things that they wanted to achieve, how to change their lives. Um, and then I started my own private practice, which yeah. um, is quite busy and that I'm still doing as well at the yeah, moment. Yeah. I then went into um, an organisation that provides um, support for people with life-limiting illnesses, including yeah. cancer. Yeah. So for me, that role, I was supporting um, family members. I was just about to say. Yeah, yeah I yeah, was yeah. supporting those family members, carers, loved ones who whose um, loved ones were either dying or just been diagnosed with a life-limiting illness. And I really feel that the experience from that role, it would kind of help me to talk about a few different ways in which you can support loved ones today. Um, That's a tough time helping people work through that acceptance and that kind of thing. Um, I'm now at Health Assured. I love working on the phones. Um, I've not paid you to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I love my role at Health Assured because I work with such a wide variety of clients. And often I do get clients ringing, um, asking how they can support their loved ones. Yeah. Um, My passion for helping as well came from becoming a lecturer. Yeah. So 
Um, I spent three years lecturing, teaching level two and sometimes level three, but that level two is that very, very first base that people touch in order to whether to see that counselling's for them. Yeah, yeah. But it's not also just about supporting. I had people from many different roles like nurses, teachers, because they wanted to support their colleagues and people that they worked with yeah. just to get those better active listening skills. I know quite a few people that have gone through level two, not because they want to be a counsellor, but for that very reason, it helps them in roles where they're, you might be working in like health and wellbeing in general yeah. as an industry. Um, some healthcare assistants have done level two as well because of the, you know, the bedside manner that you need yes. and the amount of people that are going to need more emotional support. Um, so level two is a really fantastic, not that we're saying the way to support other people with mental health is all no, go through a level two counselling course. Yeah. Um, it, it's very similar to doing like mental health first aid training. Um, because in that two-day course, I know it's very different to doing a level two, but you learn more active listening skills and also ways to open up conversations. So if anyone ever gets the opportunity, do a mental health first aid course as well, just to give you some like baseline conversational skills, yeah. especially if you've got no no clue how to start conversations anyway. Um, I guess one of the first things, because you mentioned about the helpline, lots of calls that we get. I've noticed, so obviously I look at things from the back end operational perspective. I look at MI, I look at the types of calls that we're seeing increase and the percentages change of call types. We're seeing a huge increase in the category because you guys have to categorize the yes, calls we do. for concerns over another person's mental health or impact of another person's mental health, something like yeah. that, isn't it? And we see that spike up, especially at the back end, at the tail end of us coming out of all the lockdowns, yeah. when people were worried that, because they'd not really spoken to their friend very often, you know, their friends had isolated themselves. Yes. Um, family members had isolated themselves. And, you know, I think I did that in the lockdown as well. I, you know, withdrew from people um, and became quite, lonely even though I wasn't alone I lived with a friend at the time but then I moved out on my own in the lockdown um and cut myself off I don't know what it was and you know, luckily I'm back with a vengeance you know people can't get rid of me um but for a lot of people they did really struggle and we saw lots of increases in calls yeah like how do I how do I get through to this person like I'm really worried I don't know I've not really heard of them in a long time I don't want to peck the head I don't want to do their head in you know and nag them but I want them to know I'm here so with that I guess what are the as a starting point what would you say the things the little red flags the concerns you know without jumping into panic and crisis mode yes. what kind of things do, does someone need to look out for you know or consistent changes in behavior what kind of things would you recommend that someone needs to look for okay so I have taken numerous calls from people that have really really noticed a change in their loved ones since yep. lockdown coming yep. out of lockdown life getting busy again reopening and a lot of the key things that we should look out for is um, a change in mood yeah. Um, a change in um, how somebody is in terms of like interacting, socializing. Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be very subtle the way people change over time and yeah. um, not engaging in things that they would usually. Um, you can recognize um, a loss of appetite in some people. They might lose weight. Yeah. They might gain weight if they're overeating as well, especially if they feel isolated and they're spending a lot of time at home. Yeah. Um, I've worked with a lot of clients that have then gone on to get a bit of social anxiety it's that fear of getting back out there yeah, again yeah, yeah. and I know everywhere's been open for quite a few months now but it's still very very difficult for people and yeah. um, so yeah there's lots of uh, red flags to look out for and people become 
become more irritable. Um, so yeah, more snappy. So they work hard to try and hide it from their loved ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots of different things can look out for if they're becoming withdrawn, spending more time in bed, if they're tired, missing work. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you contact them, I think we know our friends and family, don't we? If, yeah, if yeah. they change, yeah, exactly. we really recognize a change in people. And we can often say, are you okay? Are you okay? And they'll keep saying, yeah, but their behaviors and responses don't align with what they're telling us. Yeah. And that's, and you can apply that very, so you, you work very closely with your colleagues. You'd know if someone was acting out of character. Yeah. I think you can apply this to a school setting, to uni, to volunteer work. You work, you spend a lot of your waking hours with certain people. And if you've got a very good relationship, whether that is a professional relationship or an academic relationship or personal, you 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 can pick up on cues. You know when they're not yeah. acting out of character. Now, one of the things I guess we need to be mindful of is that you don't jump to conclusions if someone's having a crap yes. day, you know. Maybe they've had a rubbish night's sleep and they've woken up in a bad mood or you're allowed to feel a little bit low yes. for a few days. That's fine. You know, I do. And then come back, you know, 10 times, you know, more full of energy and absolutely fine. Sometimes you just, you do need to be a little bit... Yeah, alone, you know, like have some alone yes. time and 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 withdraw yourself. Um, but I guess it's when you're looking at if that becomes quite chronic and persistent. Yes. And it's really important to respect somebody's process. So yeah. again, I think we know when our friends, family, loved ones, colleagues, if they do change, and um, they might disclose little bits of what's going on for them in their yeah. lives at that moment in time. So it's really important on how we approach this and. Yeah always approach it in a way where it's kind of not done as in like a critical way or that you're judging them. Yeah. So it's kind of allowing that space and it's about choosing the time to approach that with someone. Yeah, if, yeah. if you get into a point where you think, no, this isn't just um, a few bad days where someone's struggling, this has been going on for a while. Yeah. Um, it's looking at ways in which you can approach that. So very, very simple things. Um, not to approach if they're on their phone and you're sat on yours and you just drop in and say, oh, how's it going? I've noticed this, this and this. So yeah, it's taking those distractions away. So you can really, really provide that space for that person. Yeah. Um, not to, just to be mindful, don't pick your phone up while you're doing it. Don't sit and watch the TV or be on your laptop at the same time. Because what's really important when we help our loved ones, colleagues, family, approach um, and start to openly talk about this is they need to feel validated. Yeah, exactly. And I think people might do, you know, be distracted on their phone or what, because they want to make it less uncomfortable for yeah. the two of them when actually they made it 10 times worse, you know, because yeah. of what the, how that other person's going to feel in terms of being valued and having that engagement and dedicated attention. Yes, 100%. It will be awkward, you know, especially yeah. if you're not used to those kind of, I because it's, quite confrontational in a way and if you don't not confrontational but a lot it is quite aligned to that I think isn't it? and I, I think I would maybe used to struggle more so in having more difficult and awkward conversations and actually you get into it 30 seconds later you know you the conversations flow in yeah um, but yeah I think that's a really good point those distractions it needs but not as intense as sitting across the table like how we yes. are today yeah um just sat on the sofa together you know pop the telly off, turn and, and look at them like, what, what's going on? Yeah. Um, what about, 
Amy, if there's some distance between you, like geographically, like you're not in the same place, what would you do about broaching those kind of conversations? Okay, so depending on the person, like some people don't like video calls, yeah. it kind of adapting to meet the needs of your uh, friend, colleague, partner, loved one. Um, yeah, so on the phone, but kind of putting those boundaries in place in terms of asking them, what are they doing? Are they in a rush? Are they going somewhere? Yeah. Is that a suitable time? Uh, first thing in the morning on the way to work or if they're out with the children or, yeah. yeah. So it's thinking about ways in which you can deliver that um, on the phone. There's kind of video calls. Yeah. Um, some people like to to text but again we have to look at ways in which we deliver a message yeah, yeah we can't just outright accuse somebody of something and if somebody is feeling vulnerable or struggling they might really interpret that message in a negative way that they are being criticized Critical. yeah yeah so yeah. it's about again getting that timing right and um, finding that space where they're not too busy or they've not got a rush off out somewhere where you can really offer that time and that space to that person whether it be on a video call on the phone do you think it's worth people being quite open and transparent if they're if they're a little bit lost with having that conversation you know they probably never had to discuss someone's you know the, their concerns over someone's mental health do you think it would help if someone was like look I've got concerned you know you've, you've been very distant you've not been yourself I don't really know how to navigate and talk about this with you so I've just come out with it you know be yeah. quite open and honest not try and pretend they know everything about every mental health condition in the world and okay be very direct. so when I used to teach level two and um my students used to do their active listening skills yeah by the end of the course they were able to hold a 10 minute listening session. It wasn't a counseling session. They were able to listen yeah. for 10 minutes and there was very three basic core conditions. Yeah. So Carl Rogers, the founder of person-centered therapy, yeah. believed that we needed to be empathic. So we needed yeah. to demonstrate empathy. And when we look at empathy, it's about not understanding it from our perspective. It's it's a term we use called getting in someone else's frame of reference. Yeah. So being in someone else's frame of reference, understanding it from their perspective. Yeah. So we don't approach it from our own personal experience. So we have that empathy. Um, and then unconditional positive regard is where we provide that non-judgmental space. Yeah. We're working and listening with, as a, as a counsellor I'm working with, as um, supporting your loved ones, you're spending time with somebody without judging them yeah. or opinionating about kind of validating them and valuing what they're experiencing yeah. and respecting their process in that moment as well. And the most important one for me as a counsellor, but you can overlay it onto yourself just in everyday life, yeah. is something what we call congruence. And being yeah. congruent is being genuine. It's yeah, being yeah. yourself. Um, so we had a little bit of a discussion beforehand, didn't yeah. we, on, I was saying to you that the biggest tool that I take into my client work is myself. I can have all the education in the world and um, all the theoretical knowledge in the world, but the most important thing that I take in with me is myself to be genuine, yeah. not to be fake and just offer 
myself in there and going back to what you said there Kaylee it's just about being honest yeah and just saying look I'm not really sure what to say here so I'm just I just want you to know that I'm here and yeah. to talk about anything that's going on for you it's however it suits you in that moment yeah. how to approach that because we're all different and unique yeah. and our interactions with each other are if you're more closer to that person it would be easier whereas if it's someone like a colleague or a friend that you're not as close to, but you are concerned about, you'll you'll find your own way of approaching yeah. that. And you might not hit the mark the first time. No. And I think that's something that's really important to highlight. Don't be afraid to have that conversation because you might not hit the mark. At least you've you've given it a go. You've got your you tried to get your thoughts and concerns out there in a in a supportive way with with your loved one. But don't just not do it because you think it might go badly yeah because what you've done there is you've opened that door exactly for yeah, someone yeah, to take yeah. that one step in and I always use the um analogy with clients about planting a seed so yeah. you might plant a seed for somebody but they might not water it yet but over time it'll water and it'll start to grow yeah. and because the seed's been planted it's raised somebody's self-awareness yeah. it's offered somebody that reassurance so they might not want to grow their seed yet they might just want to nurture that yeah but the, like you've opened the door for somebody to take that first step to know that you're there to open up to and, yeah. and ready to be supportive to them and to be honest you know what you know if if you're you so me as a loved one i'm coming to you um, me as your friend, Amy, and I'm worried about you and I'm having that conversation and I do miss the mark and I, I kind of make a bit of a pig's ear of it and I go, sorry, I've said the wrong thing. I don't know, like you you might then actually go, well, you know what, Kaylee's actually, she, she cares. You know? Yes. Because sometimes if you are, you know, yourself and you are feeling low or anxious or, or, or whatever issue it is that you're having or you're becoming quite detached, no, you, no one else cares about you know in your head you know no one really cares for you no one will take time you're alone nobody yeah. wants to support you but yeah I've just gone and spoken with you I put my foot in it a bit probably said the wrong thing or made the wrong assumption but you, you might sit there and go well you know what she actually does care she has been worried about me I'm not on my own and the difference that that might have just in terms of their kind of self-esteem yes who they think is around them for their support network because it's quite easily to just I mean when I was in in lockdown I was like, I haven't got anyone. Actually, all my friends were trying to house party me, WhatsApp me. Yeah. But I don't know, something happened because I wasn't having that human interaction. Something kind of disconnected for me. Um, when actually someone tries to have a bit of a frank conversation and they might be a bit abrupt or say the wrong thing. Like, oh, sugar, they do actually give a damn. And yeah. that can help. And again, it's going back to making somebody feel validated. Yeah. When we feel validated, we feel reassured. Valid that's the yeah, the, 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 yeah, the validation of it's okay to feel the way that you are. Yeah. People carry a lot of shame, especially if they're doing things to hurt themselves, if they're self-harming. Yeah. Um, so if we look at like um, different generations, if we look at the way that we're brought up. Yeah. So myself... Um, this isn't about me criticizing my family or my grandparents because I really was, did have a safe upbringing. Um, all my physical needs were met. Um, I was always kept safe. Yeah. But my pet, when my grandparents, I've still got one of my grandparents, they were brought up in a way where it wasn't normal to talk about feelings yeah. and love in their family. So that was passed down to my parents. Me and my sister have really changed that for me and my boys, um, our boys. She's got two boys, I've yeah. got two boys. And 
my parents are so loving with my kids. Yeah. Um, I couldn't ask for better grandparents, but they've watched me and my sister change and kind of break that cycle. Yeah. So if you were brought up in an environment where it, it wasn't normal to talk about your feelings or you was kind of told just to get on with it, um, that can be a barrier to you opening up to somebody else yeah. or accepting help from somebody else. Because in your mind, you'll be thinking, oh, it's a sign of weakness. I feel ashamed. But just to make that first kind of reach to somebody, yeah. uh, to reach out um, that first kind of point of contact, it can be really life-changing for some people. And when I listen to clients on the phone, um, and we're working with clients because we're providing the in-the-moment support, yeah. the amount of feedback that I get that says that I've provided them a space for them to feel validated and heard. So if somebody does feel confident to open up to you, just it doesn't have to be awkward. Just listen to them. Yeah, you don't have to have the answers. No, yeah, yeah. sometimes we don't always need the answers. And what's also important as well is if somebody has had that confidence to open up and start talking and really share what's going on for them, just to be mindful not to make it about yourself. Yeah. So we can share experiences and say, yeah, I kind of understand what you mean because such and such a thing happened to me. Don't get too much into yourself. You can identify with that, but then just try and bring it back to that person and yeah. say, however, I recognize that it is different um, and just encourage them to keep talking. So yeah, it's about being mindful of not completely taking the focus yeah. away from them because I think a lot of the time I notice it in my friendships and sometimes it's quite annoying. I have to remind myself they're not counselors. Yeah, People, and you're not their counselor yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. People listen to speak so you can see them holding something because they're dying to tell you something yeah, yeah. and what it does it just invalidates that speaker then because they're thinking oh you're just making it about yourself you're not listening to what I'm saying you want to talk about your stuff it is okay to share your things as well yeah. because the person that you're kind of listening to will think oh actually they get what I mean they've experienced that um when I was training to be a counsellor I was a peer supporter for Stockport Mind yeah. and it was so different going into a counselling role from being a peer supporter because as counsellors we're trained not to self-disclose but we can if it's of benefit to the client and yeah. it's not making it about us it's still focusing on our client whereas as, as a peer supporter I could share all of my yeah. life experiences but it was very brief and I always brought it back to the person yeah. that I was really listening to and supporting in that moment. I think this is really really practical advice actually and especially especially with the it's so it's so easy we're almost like it's ingrained in us as human beings to be competitive and be like yeah. well that's happened to me but yeah. 10 times worse but also at the same time you want to relate and be relatable like you're not the only person that's going through this don't worry you're not the only one in the world that's experienced this but there's not a very that's not a very tactful way to do it so that's really practical advice and I think on I made a note before to kind of circle back you mentioned about self-harm um yeah. uh, more seriously than like, I think you guys get quite a lot of calls on the helpline. Like do. my daughter's self-harming or I think um, a colleague at work is self-harming. And there's a huge piece to that about how to broach that, how to signpost and support whilst also being mindful. Not many people know, unless you're in the clinical world, but self-harm is actually a coping mechanism and can be quite dangerous to get someone to stop and remove that from their process of 
whatever it is they're working through, isn't it? So yeah. Do you want? Are you, do you feel comfortable touching yeah, a little bit on yeah, how to approach self harm with with other with with other people? Yeah. So something was interesting that you said there. Um, people kind of caught um, as a way of coping. Yeah. And it might sound really strange to some people that aren't like kind of in this yeah, clinical yeah. world, um, but we educate our clients on safe cutting. Yeah. Um, so which might sound barbaric to it people would, that have because no they would insight, be thinking yeah. why are you letting people cut themselves yeah, yeah. but actually it's about kind of keeping it on the surface um, not going too deep keeping yeah. it clean and sterile um, mind have an amazing list of if anybody out there wants to support someone and get further advice mind have there's about five different organizations on there yeah. to help um and some of them are nhs ones with advice and guidance on to su help to support people that are self-harming um but it's important to be patient with somebody you and can't just go you should stop that yes yeah obviously they should but it's not it's not a click your fingers no and you can't that's just going to be on more unsafe for that person. It's like, I don't know, it's again quite extreme, but like a heroin addict, for example, you would wean them off and go on like methadone, you, and, you and would. you would and you would bring them at, down slowly, yes. wouldn't you? Um, and I think it's quite a similar process for someone that's used self um, self harm as a mechanism for a sustained period of time. Yes, most definitely. And um, for myself, I'm going to share a little bit here about... Yeah, um, if you're comfortable to do yeah, so. Yeah, when, when I had my eating disorder, um, I won't go into too much detail about kind of how often I was kind of binging and purging. But when I worked with... This is way before I became a therapist and I didn't have any knowledge on counselling or theory. Um, we worked on an approach where rather than making yourself sick straight after kind of eating or kind of binging in those times where you feel um, really low and it's yeah. tough, um, distracting for 10 minutes. So what we did there was built that up over time. So it was 10 minutes before like holding it without kind of going being sick. Yeah. Then it was 20 minutes and half an hour and you work with kind of counsellors or supporters yeah. to find things that you can do. And I think when someone is struggling, they often lose sight of the resources that are already there in their yeah. lives. Yeah. Help your loved ones, your colleagues, your family, look at what do they enjoy in life or what did they enjoy, what they're not doing anymore. How can they pick those things back up? Because it is tough when people are lacking motivation, they're feeling low, yeah. if they've got symptoms of depression, it's um it's finding ways in which you can distract people and in that moment taking a step back and making a more positive choice but what's important is not to pressure somebody yeah we can't put that pressure on them because we can only control ourselves and our responses to that we can't control someone else's yeah. so we need to be patient with people we need to be reassuring um, and supportive and, and non-critical, non-judgmental. Yeah. And what's really important as well is even if something might sound horrendous to you or like the word you use, like really barbaric, yeah. um, trying to be mindful of your responses because if you was like, oh my God, oh wow, you're kind of uh, making it bigger for that person yeah, there. Yeah. So it's it's being mindful of the way that you respond to if somebody kind of opens up yeah. um, and makes that disclosure to you. Internally, you might be thinking, oh my oh, God, yeah, you might yeah. be panicking. But just try and remain calm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good one for parents. Yeah, for parents, definitely. You know, your love is unconditional for your children, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and regardless of how old you are as a parent and how old your child is, three, 33, 
53, you know, it, it, you're still going to have, in many instances, that knee-jerk re- response to yeah. be horrified at what, that you can't help, that, you know, this person must have immediate support. My my daughter, my son must get help immediately. But it's not, you you can't react in that way. And I know that you, you, what we're saying applies to everyone that is concerned about someone they know or love. Yes. But I really think for a parent, that because I think your your love and, and your your desire to do anything to help them goes above and beyond yeah, anything in this world. That kind it? of yeah, that will be your driving yeah, point. Yeah. You want to kind of protect them. And what happens is, um, I won't go into too much detail. Um, there's some really really good information on there um, on Google. It's something what we call um, the pack model. So. Um, it's the parent, adult, child. Yeah. And in the parent, there's nurturing parent and critical parent. And in child, there's adapted child and free child. Um, so Eric Byrne um, is a founder of uh, Transnational Analysis, TA. Yeah. Yeah. And so if anyone wants to look at just type in pack model into Google, keep to very simple kind of pages though. I don't want you to feel that you have to go and read yeah, lo- yeah. reams of information. But it's interesting, the way we respond to someone will almost determine the way that they respond to that. It has like a domino effect. So if we can come from a nurturing place and someone feels um, that someone cares about them, then they're not going to feel criticised. There will be a more positive response from that person. Whereas if we're criticising, that adapted child is where someone will respond in a negative way. They will withdraw, um, shut down, walk away from the situation, the conversation. Um, So yeah, it's important that we kind of look at our interactions as well in that and trying to remain calm, even though inside we are struggling oh my god panicking what we're going to do with this i'm I'm their mother i know best i'm their father i know best yeah yeah Yeah, so it's it's always coming from that nurturing place that caring place um in kind of um an adult like way especially if you've got teenage children young adults they they think they're adults don't they like i remember being 14 and thinking that i was like in my mid-20s and so yeah trying to um treat your kind of young child or young teenager young adult with respect and approaching it in a way where um, they feel validated and that they're not being treated like a child i think we've covered so many like really practical tips here i think this is i think that anyone that's listening will have picked up at least one thing to take away which is i mean i've picked up a couple of things or more like been refreshed and reminded on the right way to you know in in the industry that we are in and the work that we do and how we work at Health Assured, we, we've created a very open culture, you know, and very transparent. You know, we have our wellbeing Wednesdays where yeah. one of us managers will go and sit in a room and just let someone purge themselves to us. So, you know, we're very kind of adept at active listening. Yes. Um, but it's nice to have those reminders. I think, I mean, whilst it went quite heavy very briefly there, talking about self-harm and, and eating and, you know, disordered eating as well, you know, eating disorders and, I think that can be quite heavy and intense, but they're the they're the things people want to know. You know, they don't know how to. That people will feel very very lost in those situations when they've discovered or might suspect someone is harming themselves as yeah. a result of their mental health. Um, so I think it's really important to bring light to those pieces. You know, to those yeah. to those topics, and I think. Um, for anyone that's listening as well, obviously we'll, I will do a shameless plug about Health Assured and the fact that you guys, you know, you counsellors are there 24-7 to answer those queries and, and we get more and more of them. Um, 
or even, you know, like if you want to live chat with a digital counselor, for example, but just because if you have access to an EAP doesn't mean you only have to talk about yourself. We can support you, support other people. When yeah. I say you, I'm talking to the, to the listener yeah, there. the listeners. Um, and, and it might be as well that we can help you encourage a conversation with them where, you know, your loved one or you know they might have access to the EAP themselves. They might have their own EAP. They might have whatever access, but you might, or you might encourage them to have a conversation with their GP. Um, we, we know it's very difficult getting an appointment with the GP, um, but things like EAPs, helplines and things like that are, are all available. Uh, and we could help empower you if you are concerned to, signpost so whilst you've given loads and loads of tips amy it might be that there's a bit more of a specific situation that they want help with yeah. going, you know what i need to speak so i need to run this situation through hash it out with someone and you counselors are so good at being able to like give immediate kind of suggestions why don't you try this why don't you explore this they might even be able to go into a bit more detail about that you know that the pat the pat model, model. Yeah. yeah yeah um so i think remember that those resources are to hand and one thing i'd like to add to that Kaylee, yeah, is it's really important to remember that the person that you're supporting you're just as important in this so it's being aware of your own boundaries and not giving too much that it's a, a detriment to your own yes. mental health as well so when i do work with clients on the phone that are seeking advice and guidance on how to support a family member or a child I always like to check in with the person that I'm talking Agreed. to as well and momentarily I'll say let's take everyone out of this take your child out of this let's sit with you what's going on for you right now how is this impacting you because we can't pour from an empty glass and it's Absolutely. yeah it's it's reminding ourselves that we need to check in with us and it all, even though it is important that we want to make sure our loved ones are safe or our friends and family, yeah. we're important as well. And we can't stretch ourselves beyond our means um, just to ensure somebody else is supported yeah. because we, we can lose ourselves in that. That's really important, that self, that feelings of selfishness it's not selfish but you need you need yeah. to you always need to put yourself first yeah. um otherwise you are completely useless to other people you won't have the capacity to help you don't have the reserves there yeah to give back to people and give them what they need so it's important as well to have your own personal boundaries when you yeah. are supporting a loved one make sure you have your own personal boundaries there as well in terms of it's not causing you um, too much negativity in your yeah. own life although I do appreciate it is difficult if it's someone that you love and that you're really close yeah. to and obviously you are going to worry but yeah just being bringing it back to yourself as well and checking in with yourself and if you don't know how to do that you can access structured counselling to get help with that you know to figure out what works because yeah. it might not be something that you can figure out in an immediate call you can try some different bits and pieces but it might be that this person you know so me maybe I'm maybe I'm living with someone with a more serious mental health condition like bipolar for example yeah. or um you know really complex trauma um to the point where it infiltrates my daily life and i i need to you know maybe i haven't got the right boundaries in place um but you can access you know short-term counseling is, is beneficial for that because you can navigate and yeah. you're yeah is it the miracle question is that what we use in solution yes, focus yes. isn't it uh, like the miracle question is how do i how can i stop this from impacting my life you know on a daily basis and become overbearing for me yeah. and that's something you can work with in a very short-term way um to 
reinforce some of those boundaries and figure out new ways to put them in place whilst not letting that other person down or feel yeah. like you're letting them down. They're still supported, but you are not running yourself into the ground as well. So it's not a bad thing to get counselling to support someone else, you know, to keep that boundary in place. You don't have to get counselling for your own mental health condition. You can get counselling just to work on your own resilience or, yeah. you know, confidence and things, not mental health condition in itself. Yeah, and... um to the listeners out there, just to be mindful, it's not guaranteed on every account because every account that we hold is quite unique um, in terms of what you can access yeah, on there. But it's always yeah. worth checking out whether um, dependents can access like yeah. the in-the-moment support because some of a few of our accounts do allow um, dependents, um, yeah, young people. Yeah, majority actually, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, and spouses to access like the in-the-moment support. So yeah. there's always that option as well. Um, to if there's support for yourself, just to check out whether there's any availability on the account for um, one of your family members to to speak to one of our counsellors for some in the moment support. For it's some so hints beneficial, and tips and especially stuff, when like you know, we're in the cost of living crisis. And I imagine by the time this podcast goes out, we'll still be in the midst of that <laughs> cost of living crisis. Yeah. And in fact, it might be worse. Private counselling can be very expensive for some people, um, and then you're adding in, you know, a three grand electricity bill you know a year and stuff so you that there's so many people that have access to eap that probably don't realize they do through their partner through their spouse or through their parent yeah um so definitely if you're unsure call eap and, and we'll double check you know we'll yeah. double check what you've got access to and it's highly likely it'll be one of your close family members can access as well and get the same level of support yeah which is really good to know well have you got anything else, Amy, that you think will be really useful? I think we've covered so much ground and really yeah, practical have. tips. Yeah. Um, and I want to say thank you very much. Like that, that was absolutely fabulous. But is there anything else that you think might be beneficial? Uh, no, just to kind of summarize and reinforce um, about like the active listening. Yeah. Um, just being there for somebody, being present, and just being really patient and understanding, and trying not to kind of criticize um, and like you spoke about Kaylee at the beginning, just to kind of wrap this up. Um, n don't worry too much if you've not approached it in a way that you wanted to, because there's no right or wrong way. As long as that person that's receiving it doesn't feel offended. Um, yeah, we're all human at the end of the day. And sometimes I approach things with clients where I thought, oh, I could have said that a bit differently. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, not to be too hard on yourself and just make yeah. yourself available to support your loved ones. That's brilliant. Thanks so much, Amy. Real, thank you.